The Ryan Rosillo Podcast on the Ringer Network with Chris Long every Monday, and we are all over it. Headlines, misleading wins, plane rides, irresponsible questions, and now Chris and I are FaceTiming each other, so he's putting his notes up in front of the screen, so I don't know if he was trying to phase me out there a little bit. I was trying um, to fuck with you. You did, and you did you did it well, but there's a lot of notes there, a lot of notes, handwritten, long form. Today's episode of The Ryan Rosillo Show is brought to you by State Farm. If you're fumbling with insurance, State Farm agents are here to help because with over 19,000 agents, they're local to you and available to help, whether you connect in person by phone or through the State Farm app. Agents are here to help, so go with the one that has coverage and agents you can count on. State Farm, talk to an agent today. Now the uh, next presenting sponsor of this podcast with Chris. And I gave out a State Farm thing last week where I was like, you know, Mahomes, I think he's right there. He's the number one guy, but the way Deshaun Watson has been playing, if you're really watching what he's doing, this is insane. And I can't believe I said a safe bet because it were basically it was like a State Farm thing, Chris. We're like, hey, come up with a safe bet. And I said, Watson <laughs> down in Kansas City. And I felt so stupid all week because I was like, that's not really sa- – I don't think that's playing to what they wanted. They wanted like a safe no. bet. Yeah, and it worked out. That would have so. been – that would it would have been much better um... – as like a hot take, maybe like, yeah, you know, uh, Weber Grill hot take. Okay, but Weber is not the presenting sponsor, so you just have to be you have to be careful throwing that stuff out there when State Farm's the one paying the bill. Yeah, you're right. I mean, we can. Yeah, I mean, you're you're great at this stuff. The ad reads, the uh, corporate responsibility. So yeah, I'll leave that <laughs> uh, to you. All right, your your headline's awesome. I'm just going to go first because yours is very revealing. Because there's a lot of stuff going on, a lot of dudes upset about flags, what's going on, conspiracy theories, earpieces, James Bond type stuff. So that's going to be your go-to, right? Your headline, you're going to talk officiating? Yes, okay. yes it is. I love talking officiating. I couldn't do it for 11 years. I'm looking forward to it. Just <laughs> dumping on these guys. Okay, I may push back a little bit. My headline is Deshaun Watson going down into Kansas City and winning this game. It could not have gotten off to a worse start. Well, actually, it almost did because there was a – forward progress whistle that was blown and it was almost going to be 17-3 off a couple turnovers and it's not just Watson's raw numbers you know he actually did have a couple picks I think one is on him we go through the drops and all this different stuff it's just the fact that Watson is walking into any of these stadiums as a dude that maybe is as in control of his game as much as any quarterback in the entire league and I know that sounds like and I'm not saying he's better than Mahomes I'm not doing that already I'm not anointing him better than Mahomes because he went to Kansas City won this game but there's just a bunch of things that I see from this game that Watson, I feel like, is at that level, that he's in that tier. Now, for Kansas City, it's a lot easier playing defense when you know you're getting five touchdowns from your quarterback every single time. I thought it was Bingo. interesting that Bill O'Brien, who you know gets ripped quite a bit, um, Bill O'Brien, who said, you know, going up at Kansas City, that's why we went for it in fourth down so much, and they went for it late when they could have gone up 10. They end up getting the other, the other score and closing out the game. Um, and it made me think, Chris, like, wait a minute. If you think like, hey, this game, we need to do whatever we can to score. Why are you not going for fourth down as much in other games? Uh, maybe San Francisco would say that's exactly why we don't have to because of our defense. So the point right. that I'm trying to make, the, the biggest headline of it all, and I felt this really now for a couple of weeks. He hasn't been sacked in back-to-back weeks after being sacked 18 times the first four games. So that's a huge part of it. But when I think of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL right now, and it's not just raw stats, it's not just overnight stuff, but I would go Mahomes, 
I don't know what order this is in. It's Watson. It's Wilson. Um, I put Rodgers in there, and I think you got to go with the GOAT Brady as just the honorary fifth of the top five quarterbacks yes. because even though statistically it isn't as good as the other guys and he's looked bad slash old in the first halves of the previous two games against the Giants and the Redskins, you just know if it's a game that you need to win, you're not getting to a list longer than five guys before you get to Brady. So that's kind of how I look at it. Walking in on a Sunday or a playoff game, those are the five guys and maybe this is late for other people that love Watson, but it's kind of like I feel like this wake-up call that as great as Mahomes is, like Watson needs to be understood and is appreciated as much because he's been incredible. Yeah, man, where have you been? This is like when you hit me with the where have you been on C.D. Lamb, who, I, who I've always loved is C.D. Lamb, and I go to claim my, my, you know, I've been on the bandwagon on C.D. Lamb, and you totally stood me up on Twitter and people bought it. Uh, anyways, I think, I think with Watson – He's definitely in the conversation to be a top five quarterback. We're being very reactionary as we do uh, because he's been brilliant lately. But if we're talking about right now, he is a top five quarterback. The only guy I would like to put in that conversation would be Carson Wentz. Uh, I know that some people look at me like a homer, but this guy literally makes magic happen. He looks healthy. He's looked different all year. He's suffered a lot of drops. He suffered a lot of misfortune, some injury, and he's looked really good. You know, juxtaposed to Tom Brady's two games where he's looked shaky, Carson's looked very good in losses uh, lately. So I think when you look at this game, you look at Kansas City, and everybody's talking about their defense, and that's fine. But how can you be mad at a defense that was built this way? It was literally engineered to be just this, this unit, which is their winning is predicated on the offense rolling. And when their offense is not rolling, it's, even if it's at 80%, the defense is going to be exposed a bit. I mean, they've given up a ton on the ground, 400 yards the last two games. Spags' defense is kind of, you look at Spags the past few stops, it's like since the New York thing, I'm not sure. Uh, and I really like Spags, but, uh, you know, the results are not great. Um, they just get exposed a little bit when Kansas City's down offensively. Listen, Kansas City's bottom third in red zone offense at 52%. Uh, they've, they've broken that streak of 25 games with 25 points. That's old news now. It's been two games in a row they've been under. And Mahomes has just not looked the same since the ankle injury. At 141 before, 80 after, um, it could be as simple as Mahomes isn't healthy. And when everything centers around Mahomes and the offense is, is functioning at 75%, the defense is the, the issues are going to get magnified. You shipped your best rushers out. You're expecting Frank Clark to be Lawrence Taylor because you paid him. But Chris Jones isn't healthy. And you don't have an edge rusher opposite him. So I think the bigger question when you come away from this game is not to me, or is Kansas City in trouble? They'll be back. Uh, it's can the Texans match up against the likes of New England and Kansas City in a playoff game? And I actually think the Texans can match up pretty well with New England this year. And by the way, everybody looks at this, and last year we joked it was almost an irresponsible question. Colts, did they set the blueprint for beating Kansas City, right? Well, the Texans went in and did the same fucking thing. I mean, they've given up damn near 40 minutes of time of possession the last two weeks, and uh, that's what the Texans did. And by the way, uh, it's not Indy's blueprint, it's New England's. If you look at the six best games as far as keeping Kansas City off the field in this little Mahomes era, it's been New England three times. So they're the ones setting the blueprint, and what's important is figuring out how does Houston match up against these teams? And I think they do pretty well. I don't think it's an aberration. 
Yeah, my feeling isn't even though I look, I agree completely on the Mahomes ankle thing. It was it was fairly obvious watching him kind of slide left to right throughout, you know, his his mobility in the pocket as opposed to getting out and running, that that's a problem. And no Chris Jones. I mean, that game was entirely different. It was automatic. Like Chris Jones, I feel like, is one of the most underrated guys. And that happens with interior linemen. It's always going to happen. But Jones, as soon as he was out of the Colts game, it was a different kind of game defensively for Kansas City. But uh, this is more about a pro Watson thing. And I am I am stubborn. I take too long because I think there's too many times where we're like, oh, look at this quarterback. This is amazing. Like the Daniel Jones stuff. Now what are we supposed to do with that? You know, Lamar Jackson the first couple of weeks. He ran it all over Cincinnati yesterday. It was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. But is it was it is it like, hey, Lamar's gonna be your guy for ten years? Now it looked that way after the first two weeks. I am I'm I, you know what I'm actually not going to criticize myself like it's not that I'm slower it's that I'm just patient with all of this stuff when it comes to quarterbacks so for me to say like hey these last couple of weeks I've been watching Watson and just go you know this is nuts all the sacks early they should have won that Saints game you know they could be five and one through all this so yeah I look at Houston now in an AFC conference where we were trying to figure out like who the third best team was just a couple weeks ago, Chris. We're going, all right, we know it's Kansas City. We know it's New England, but man. Yeah, and I was, by the way, I, I couldn't sleep last night after that fucking Chargers game. I said the Chargers might be the best, the third best team in the AFC. I got to eat that one. Jeez. Oh, my God, dude. It's like, what's going on there? Anyways, uh, so I look at this and... And and you you mentioned Chris Jones being underrated. I think that's because he wears a loose jersey. I don't know if you ever if and he's pro he looks like the prototypical three four end. I think his swag is a little bit, it's a little bit questionable. I think that affects how he's he's properly rated. Um, but yeah, wait 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 wait. Isn't it before yeah. before you get off the jersey thing? Because we know Sam yeah. Bradford's your guy. Sammy sleeves. I really feel like Sam would have. Like, look, not being healthy was the biggest thing that got in the way. But if he had worn a different jersey instead of a guy that looked like, sleeves. yeah, like the sleeves and then the helmet, he just always looked like a twelve-year-old that was like, I don't even want to play, but my dad I, I, was in the yeah. Marines. <laughs> He's like the dad from the fan, De Niro, uh, in the van, Shout out the cussing fan. him out over Keith. Uh, was was it? Was he cussing him out over Keith Richards or somebody else? Uh, that was that was a that was an interesting watch. It was real rainy and not dark a forget, in that last. Way too rainy not to rain that game out. One of my biggest <laughs> pet peeves in in film history was uh, that they really should have delayed that that baseball game at the end. You couldn't even see the crowd. Anyways, I digress. Chris, Chris Jones is pretty good. You know who else is looking all right uh, right now is uh, is is Bill O'Brien. Uh, you know they're doing all this without a GM in Houston. <laughs> Uh, they took a beating for everything they did in the offseason uh, and with the trade uh, for Tunsil and Stills. But Stills has helped them. I know he's 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 had some health issues as of late, but uh, Tunsil's helped them, and, and, and they've been able to get the play action going a lot more. He only got hit twice yesterday. That's a far cry from last year when we got ready to play them. We were like, oh, it's dinner time, dude. Like, these fucking guys can't really? protect. Yeah, and and this year I don't think how excited how excited at, do guys get? Well, the trade off is, and this happens a lot with mobile quarterbacks like a Russell Wilson or a Deshaun Watson. People ask who's really hard to sack. It's not that simple because a lot of times some of these most mobile mobile quarterbacks have shitty O lines, and is that chicken or or the egg? I don't know which one, but it's really easy to get to him, and they might extend plays, but it's really it's a really tough tackle. So as a rusher, you look at a game like like a Watson 
or or like uh, or like a Russell Wilson and be like, hey, we're gonna get some opportunities, but you're gonna miss him too. And I missed uh, I missed Watson last year. It would have been my third sack of the game, and it would have been a half million dollar bonus. Oh. And I just missed him. Yeah. No way. Yeah. Yeah. I missed him. It would have gone. Did you know? Did you know immediately that just cost me half a million dollars? Uh, yeah, but I also, I also had no idea that I would have probably gambled it away on college football this year as a retired <laughs> athlete. So it really doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, Bill, Bill and the Texans, man, they, they come out of this looking all right. They're another group that looked like shit along with Gruden and Mayock that people were turning into like basically a meme. And here they are sitting third in the AFC and they just beat Kansas City at Arrowhead. They're actually, uh, with that game, they're the two seed. So they, oh, they, would, they would be seed. the two seed, yeah. As of yeah, as so today, I mean, but. you have to look at things like you're talking about this team as if they're going to get a home playoff game, possibly a bye, and can they match up against the likes of New England in December and in January? Actually, okay, let's go with your headline because I think this is going to be really interesting for a lot of people. Yeah, uh, like I said, I want to bitch about the officiating like we all did yesterday on Twitter.com. Uh, the game we just discussed was kind of decided, not directly by a blown call, uh, but it certainly factored in. Uh, we all know the play we're talking about, unless you lived under a rock yesterday, 17-9 to in the second with about eight minutes to go. Mahomes basically sees Johnson Jr. holding Kelsey before the ball is thrown. And in his mind, I guess you could say, why wouldn't he throw it in the area of a receiver? Well, number one, he might think Kelsey's going to break his route off in the end zone uh, if he's not held and interfered with. And he's hobbled, so he might want to just burn the ball, knowing that he sees that flag. Uh, and the line judge is really who screwed this up. The line judge calls what turns out to be DPI and not holding. So after they're about to line up and give him a first down, the refs confer, and PFT has broken, not PFT commenter, actual PFT has broken um, the story that it wasn't the replay official and the replay official generally is there to weigh in on technicalities like the clock and stuff, not judgment calls. So the, the theory that's being floated is that as they're setting up for a first down, which would have changed the, the whole game, um, if it's not an interception that the league 345 park Avenue, you know, chimes in on whatever device that they're doing in conspiracy world and calling and trying to get Mahomes off the field, which I don't know how that's good for the league necessarily, unless you think a Houston win is big. Um, and they say it's DPI. Uh, and because it's DPI, it's not catchable. And the flag comes up and the interception stands. Houston goes on to score. Long drive there. And it's a one touchdown win. They win, I think, 34-27. This game probably looks a lot different if that doesn't happen, and that's just the fact of the matter. Now, the line judge screwed it up in the first place, but the back judge needs to have his, his back, um, no pun intended. He needs, to, he needs to change that call, and this is from a source that I trust very much in the league who has officiating knowledge and, and deals almost uh, entirely with that world, says that the line judge made the wrong call and not calling it holding. The back judge didn't back him up, and then... Uh, Hockley's son, I think it's Steve Hockley is his name. It's his crew. And Steve is is a bit of a control freak when it comes to his crew and probably huddled them up. And in some capacity, they're communicating on their little radios and their earpieces. And it's not New York at all. It's actually the crew communicating with each other. And so it's other guys. So, 
Sorry to jump in. So when Hockley, the, the crew chief, is touching yeah. his earpiece and people are trying to turn this into like some James Bond type shit, this is just other guys on his crew at another position on the field instead of everyone having to huddle up? Is that what you're telling me? That's what I'm hearing. That's what I'm hearing. I'm hearing that it, it, it was indeed not the Wizard of Oz. It was everybody on the field. And they're saying, this isn't sitting well with me. This is DPI. And because it's uncatchable, the premise that we're operating on is that it's DPI and not holding, which it should have been. Um, your guy Warren Sharp had a nice little tweet where he broke down the exact time that the ball left Mahomes' hand and the exact time that Johnson Jr. has his hands draped on Kelsey's shoulder pads, which means it's holding. There should be two flags on that play for holding and DPI. And of course, because there was only one incorrectly, by the letter of the law, they thought they did the right thing. Now, let's add this to the equation, which is probably that if Kelsey's not held and interfered with, he might catch the ball or be in the area of the throw in the end zone. So there's a whole bunch of issues. Number one, bad call by the line judge. Failure by, failure by the back judge, not backing him up. Number two, it might have won the Texans the game. And uh, they went on a drive to score. And number three, it's no conspiracy. I don't think it's just shitty officiating. And there was a lot of shitty officiating yesterday. Cleveland, Seattle. Yeah. Let's just jump you in know? on the conspiracy thing, though, because we could come up with yeah. 10 different conspiracy theories. They'd all be wrong, okay? Like, there's there's no version of this where the NFL is like, you know, we really need Houston in that two-seed spot. We really need that right. two-seed spot. Now, the holding thing I think is important to point out because that can be called everywhere, whereas the PI on this is like, well, no, that's the intended receiver because it's clearly a hold, but then I thought at the end Kelsey was selling it more, and then I don't know if that ends up hurting his cause because I don't think really Kelsey would be pulled down by that guy. I could be wrong on that whole thing. If your chief's saying anything, I'm completely wrong. But as you said, like there's just a bunch of bad flags, and everybody is upset about this today. I'll admit, like late Sunday when the flags keep flying out, like that last Cowboys Jets drive, where yeah. I'm like, my God, guys, this is unwatchable. Right. I still would like to know what's what's the better version. Like I know I interrupted you there, so pick up the point, but I, I'd like no, to ask you're good. Well, it's just hey man, I the think the NBA's about to start and I know what's gonna happen. All everybody's gonna do is bitch. Everybody bitches about VAR and soccer, okay? MLB yeah. replay, other than home runs. So as everybody tries to turn it into the NFL's, like I always ask when the mob is pushing and saying, oh, this sucks, this sucks, this sucks, this sucks. Is there some secret, way better version of this that exists that the NFL just refuses to do? Because that would seem kind of stupid. Well, to me, this just is, is something that's simple, right? I mean, I would understand if their judgment calls. As camera angles increase, as our access to the close-ups and slow motion increase, so do our threshold for seeing something calling a bad, bad call. And the league is trying to catch up and, you know, mitigate by creating things like the DPI review, you know, review. I remember when review came in, everybody was like, football is going to be unwatchable. Now it's like, how can we review that? I want to review another one this quarter. I'd you know, like so zero. I'd like, no, I mean, I know you'd like zero, but I think in this situation, it's avoidable. And then yesterday they're very basic fucking things man like seattle is about to go ahead on the carson touchdown run and there's a false start by the guard the metcalf catch which they couldn't uh review because coordinator face uh pulled a bevel basically and uh reviewed uh you know threw a challenge flag on that was overturned uh and then ended up not having it when he needed it on the metcalf catch uh and then the landry block in the back was bad if you're a cleveland fan i know you didn't play great but you got to be pissed off 
And then swirling around all this, this is the problem. If it were one or two things, it's all over the board. The PI reviews, less than 10% get overturned. That's why when you watch a game like Philly yesterday and Nelly and, and, and Waynes are going at it down the field and it looks like P.I., Doug's not going to throw that flag because he saw what happened to Golden Tate on Thursday night against the the the, uh, the Pats. So Pats, you got right. the P.I. reviews, which are turning over at less than 10%. The roughing in Denver that changed their season, possibly, in, in the Chicago game, the Bradley Chubb call. And then the they're killing the uh, onside Lamar. kick. Right. Yep, the roughing against Lamar. They're killing the onside kick. You know, uh, it's 0 for 16 on onside kicks this year. The only way you get the ball back is if if the other team bobbles it. So there's a lot going on with rules and officiating. That I think, you know, the, the sum of all parts is pushing this thing into becoming kind of a narrative that we haven't seen discussed since the replacement refs. Well, I mean, we saw the L.A. I mean, there's the L.A. There's the L.A. debacle last year, too, which we've tried to fix and we can't even fix. So I would I would argue that. Yeah, football is the hardest to officiate, but we've had the most bullshit happen in our sport. I think we've had the most bullshit happen on the grandest stage because nothing is missed. Like everybody is seeing everything because the games are basically all on one day, except for the Monday and Thursdays. And when those are the games, those are the only games you have on. So, um, you know, I don't want to turn it into a debate of what's harder to officiate basketball with huge guys where you could make everything a foul versus, you know, all the holding stuff that you guys deal with. But, um, I'm just not. I'm not huge into officiating Twitter. I'm just not. I'm just not. Every now and I, then, generally, I'll say I'm something. not. I'm right. I'm not into Twitter generally, but but when you <laughs> look at basketball, things seem less impactful. Although they are like one one free there's throw in the second quarter. Yeah. yeah, there's a so with football naturally, there's less possessions. Everything's going to be magnified, and the camera angles are great this 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 uh, year. So, do you have? I mean, all you guys think everybody's out to get you, right? So would you would you be talking to refs the whole game? No, I, it's not that refs are not out to get all of us. They're out to get the defense. I mean, that's just <laughs> that's just they're not out to get everybody, but they want scoring and and uh, and you know holding doesn't exist anymore in the NFL. I mean, if you look at holding, it figures, did for a couple I weeks. They did for a couple of weeks, but then the, the kibosh was put on that. Uh, it's unbelievable. It, it completely dropped out. I actually am not as upset about the PI reviews. I'm more happy that people got it, and now they're mad they have it because it's not going the way they wanted, where I feel like the league's doing the right thing because I was afraid when they were going to review it, everything in slow motion looks like PI, and they're basically saying it has to be egregious or it, you know, it has to be egregious for us to go ahead and overturn something, which has always kind of been the case on the play stands versus the plays confirmed. I don't like that, though, because when it comes to, you know, P.I. in slow motion, it's clear to see then Bradley Chubb losing the ball on a pile of people or, you know, like, uh, you know, where did the ball come down and the camera angles three quarters? Is it a first down? Is it a touchdown? It seems a lot more exact looking at P.I. than it does placement of the ball. You want to do plane rides? I love plane rides. Okay. Do people do. People are starting to get involved. Hit us up uh, on Twitter if you want to throw your your best and worst plane rides of the weekend out there. And then we have the NFC East. So we we touched on it very very little there with Philly. So we should do that. And then we get misleading questions. So we get a bunch of stuff to get to. All right. Give me your uh, your best plane ride. Well, somebody on Twitter very <laughs> Detroit Lions fans are getting cocky when I retweeted a <laughs> Texans fan that said I think we got the best plane ride of the week. They said, well, I know you're not clairvoyant, so you, you haven't seen our big win coming on Monday night. I was like, holy shit, Detroit. 
they've been waiting for this, but I think it's Houston. Uh, you realize you guys are really good. They're a top three team in the AFC, like we talked about. The only thing that sucks about that ride is that the settlers in Kansas City, whenever they like settled that city in like wagons, Oregon Trail style, yeah, wherever they picked the airport, it was the worst fucking decision. That airport is a solid hour outside the city, and it's not even close to the stadium either. So that big win, you're feeling good. You got to wait like three hours to get on the plane. Um, the only good thing about that is a short flight, plenty of time to get in the streets when you get home in the H. You just you break it down from such a unique angle on this one um, because you almost didn't want to give it to Houston because of airport location, which is a weird disqualifier. It's one of the worst airport locations, and I haven't been in the terminal from a commercial standpoint only on team charters, but gosh, they, they have to have some of the finest airport sushi in the world, some of the best shopping. I'm imagining Prada and... Uh, you know, all types of high class stores in there for to justify Boss. the airport being in Missouri. I mean, it's fucking it's a long way away. Yeah, no, I mean, I was at a I was at that Atlantic City Borgata there, and they had the best Hugo Boss I mean I've ever seen. So that's was, what I'm imagining in the Kansas right. City airport. Yeah, Listeners, I, I, tell I, me if that if that's the reality. <laughs> the Denver airport's actually in Utah, which sucks. Um, you seen the mural? Yeah, I've I've been through it all. I mean, I've been in that Denver airport a million times. What do you think? So have you been in the airport? basement with the Illuminati? No, no the Illuminati. Do you know the mural I'm talking me. about? It. Do you know the yeah. mural I'm talking about? It's like an apocalyptic mural. I'm like riding the fucking the thing you ride when you're too lazy to walk, and you're like, you look to the left to see when your plane's boarding, and you're like, oh, genocide. Like that's what. <laughs> That's what's featured on the, and then you read the shit on the, you read the shit about like in the basement, there's like, you know, reptile aliens, shout out yeah. to Sturgill. I mean, Denver airport creeps me out. It's a great airport, but what's going on there? You think it's, see, I like the vibe in there. I've not been, they know media. I'll blow the whole case open. So they haven't let me into the basement. Um, but there's like a big conspiracy that I don't even think is like as weird as the alien stuff is that it was put out there because there was a politician that had land interest in that area. And it just, you just, it's just those times when it's a Sunday and you got to get out of Denver and you're like, Oh, great. It's going to take an hour to get here. I'll give you a bad one. Las Vegas. Anybody leaving Las Vegas generally is at a crossroads and they got the True. slots. Like if you're playing slots in the Vegas airport on the way out, yeah. Call that hotline. I can understand landing. You're hot. You're right off. You're right off the plane. You want to get you want to get the juices going. But if you're sitting there being like, I'm down to my last 20 playing slots with a Duncan's going. Um, although I don't know if Duncan's, I doubt that's that's in the airport. I've spent some time. Go, in hu go hug. Go hug your fucking kid. Go home. Hug your kid. No one wins in Vegas. No. What if you but don't the have thing it, is, you do what you did if, and you pose with someone else's kid on Instagram like you did yesterday. So you texted me last night. I think you went to a baby shower or something. What'd no, you, it wasn't, it wasn't a baby shower. The baby exists. The baby's now one. So it was my niece's Oh, yeah, first. baby showers happen when the, before the baby. Yeah, right. They rarely, <laughs> so they rarely happen a year after the birth. I don't, I don't believe so. I don't know. I've never, I've Maybe never planned Maybe baby showers, they just have like prop babies sitting around. It's like, this is what your baby will probably look like. Yes. Pose with this baby. Yes, here you go. 
And just get ready. <laughs> get ready for some of these poses. And then when it starts losing its mind, it's not going to seem that weird. Okay, I'll do best plane ride now. Uh, it is Washington leaving Miami. And I know people can say, whatever, it's a Dolphins. Dude, I, this is you are going to back me on this answer. You don't even know what I'm going to say. But to be a professional, to hit each other for weeks, to go through all this crap in late July and be one of the laughing stocks of the NFL, I don't care who you beat. With everything that you've had to go through as a member of that organization to be a player, to get on that plane and get that first W has to feel amazing. And you shouldn't be apologizing because you beat Miami. Generally, I would agree with you. I mean, I've been on a lot of bad teams that had wins like that, middle of the season, maybe the first one, one we're feeling good about. I know it was just the Dolphins, but I bet you if you turn on that game, and very few people will justifiably, and roll the tape back, guys were playing their fucking asses off because it means a lot to everybody in the organization. You do put a lot of time in. I know they're pros and they get paid, but it means a lot. So congrats to the guys in Washington. I think I feel bad for the guys in in in, in Miami because I think they were probably tanking with that two-point call. Uh, but Washington, the caveat you don't really is they think played that. them. You don't really. The I mean, timing, it was a terrible was a timing. It's a terrible call. When it was happening, before the play happened, I go, if you really are uh, tanking, don't you? I remember the Pats threw it out of the back of the end zone once, but that was on playoff seating. Well, a lot can go wrong if you go to overtime. You can just fuck this whole thing up in just an instant if you just call a bubble screen or whatever they call it. Um, I think the caveat, though, is that Washington uh, blew the possibly the Tua and the Herbert sweepstakes. And I know we talked about, you know, the master plan there should be if the new coach coming in doesn't like Haskins, you could make him Rosen 2.0. Looks like not anymore because Callahan is going to write the ship and run the ball. Gonna run it. When he said he's gonna run the ball. The stats show that when you run it more, you win. I'm like, I remember hmm. that was like that's like one of those I remember my first beer NFL stat <laughs> moments. Because that's like the most telling on yourself pre-sabermetrics thing ever, where you're like, dude, you know, 2003 talking pat, some guy being a pre-game pre-game show, you're like, they're they're 14 and two. 25 uh-huh. attempts or more and you just go uh-huh. because they're winning it's so winning. stupid it's it's the I dumbest think, i think callahan yeah i mean there's nothing analytics twitter just ripped him to shreds like the the crocodiles in indiana jones when they threw that guy off the off the cliff that was bill callahan after that press conference uh <laughs> nfl analytics twitter is ruthless you uh you are on the movie one today i love it yeah, i love movies worst plane ride i'm going with dallas uh even Jerry on his giant plane, you know, it's a night game. Probably gets lonely on that G6, um, Jera. And then I think the rest of the team probably was absolutely miserable because they're going to go home and get their their shit kicked in and practice for three days and the Dallas media and Stephen A and all that stuff. That's a good one. I, there's uh, there's an incredible stat here. I'm going to read this for you, all right, because I did screen grab this one because we're, we're having some tech issues here on the screen grabs. NFL teams are 90-1 and one since 1991 when they win time of possession, total yards, the turnover margin, pick up 25 first downs, and convert at least 10 or more third down attempts. Dallas's loss to the Jets is the one loss since 1991. Boom. Just right in your dome with some facts. Uh, we're going to get to Dallas in a second. I'm going to do real quick. I need a, I need just a little 
leniency here on the worst plane ride, but I'm going to switch it up. I'm going to say worst ride is Philip Rivers in his van solo from L.A. back down to San Diego because that was a Pittsburgh home game down the street from me here. There, there, this Chargers thing is a mess, although because mm. it is NFL law that the last possession has to almost be Rivers running around trying to save the game, trying to save his life. I can't believe how close it is to happening. It feels like every game for him now for years and years and years. Um, but they were down 24-1 or what do you mean, 20, 21 nothing like that. Short field on a couple of them. Good long drive by the backup there for the Steelers. Oh. So I think that van it's drive a, was, a, was a tough one. You got beat by a guy named Duck. Is his, his name's Duck? Well, he's a duck hunting champ. Okay. Juniors, so, I'm, I'm the, so his name really isn't Duck? I mean, it's Devlin, right? But is his nickname Devlin duck? Hodges, yeah. No, I don't. I just started seeing the Duck tweets this week, and then he, it was part of the broadcast last night that he was just, when it came to calling Ducks, this, this fucking kid brought the, brought the pain. <laughs> He brought the whole gaggle. The yeah. fucking, uh, but yeah, Rivers had to climb in that conversion van. And by the way, when he gets home, he's got to take care of all, like, all his kids after a loss, a small which village. sucks. And hey, I feel for my man. I love Philip Rivers. He's a Hall of Famer. But you're right. The NFL has needed like, it's almost like wrestling. Wrestling needs a heel. You know, the NFL needs a guy that when the sun's going down and you got your Sunday scaries, and we've talked about this, you turn on the TV it's kind of like supposing, supposedly going to ease your troubles from the weekend a little bit because you'll feel a little bit better watching Philip Rivers run around and be in shitty situations as the sun goes down on Sunday nights. More with Chris in a second. The Google Assistant is ready to help you get more done with just your voice in the car, at home, and everywhere you take your phone. Like when I'm at the gym, I can just say, hey, Google Music, play some workout music. A little help, hands-free. Just say, hey, Google, to get started. Let's uh let's get your NFC East deal here, right? Because we could do the Dallas thing first. We can do the Philly thing first because Philly got diced up. I thought they had a chance to get back in that game, and then they did. And then as soon as their defense, it was almost like Minnesota's like, wait, you guys are st- you still think this is a game? Okay, we're just going to throw it over the top of you again and make this even worse. So the NFC East, as it stands now, we can write off Washington. I'll give the plucky Giants some credit for being competitive in the first half, basically missing every skill guy other than Daniel Jones. So I'm not down on Daniel Jones. I actually was more impressed, even though he didn't play well. Uh, NFC East, the floor is yours. Well, I think it's it's um, it's ugly, but it's not it's not ugly from a standpoint of that either of these teams are out of it or going to be out of it if they lose. And I'm talking about obviously the two team race with Dallas. And uh, Philadelphia right now, they play each other this coming Sunday night in Dallas. I don't think the loser has to hit the uh, the panic button. I mean, there's there's panic in general, but there's not like the, our season's over. This isn't a must win. I, I just want to say that. I know Doug Peterson said it's a must win and we're going to go and win. Yeah, uh, he basically I, I love guaranteed he, it. I love what he's doing because he's taking the pressure off the players but he's laying down the gauntlet. Like, listen, if if you're about to fight somebody and you're like, I'm going to kick your ass, like, you know, and you talk shit leading up and it's on national TV, like the onus is on you to go do it. Now, if a player does that, he's out on the field and people are going to be taking shots at him. There's going to be pressure. He's going to put his position group under fire in the media. I like what Doug did because Doug put it on himself and Doug's going to get the best out of the Eagles on Sunday night. And I think when you look at these two teams, they've had injuries. 
I think Dallas, you look at yesterday, two tackles down, Cooper's out. We saw what a big deal uh, Cooper's trade was last year. Let's not just act like that wasn't who they were before they traded for Cooper. So if you play without Cooper, it's a big deal. You know, they missed a field goal. They went for it on fourth and two and ran like a fucking option. Uh, They took a timeout before that last score for no reason. So couldn't kick it off and, 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 and call three timeouts. They had all their timeouts. Offense looked like Garrett again. Romo made a joke about it on air. Uh, former players were chiming in on Twitter. I think Orlovsky, who's funny as shit, said, uh, actually, it looks like Linehan. Um, and Garrett obviously had the, the, the no high fives video that's gone viral. My source in Dallas, somebody I've known a long time, uh, that's played there a long time. Um, people in Dallas say that it's a physical, tough place to, to practice. And I think sometimes when teams lose, like they have, uh, coaches panic. They get tougher on the players. They practice harder. They run them into the ground. And the team I saw last night looked beat up and defeated. And that doesn't make sense because they're really still a pretty good team, and it's early. Um, The Jets deserve a lot of credit. We can get to that. Uh, Fireman, whatever, Ed, is that his name? Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen him in a while. Yeah, he, he, he looked like he was back out last night. He looked like he was passing a kidney stone. He was so fucking excited. Um, MetLife was loud. Jets and Giants could be fun, but I'm not going to panic about Dallas. Are you panicking about Dallas? This thing we're going to do a little bit later because I do have this kind of like feeling now that we're we're this far in where you go, what was a misleading result? Where you go, wait a minute, I thought this after that team, like, hey, that was a bad loss, or wow, that's a really impressive win. And now that we have more data basically you can start saying oh man that almost threw me off the scent i was starting to wonder if dallas was maybe that team because you look at the offense and three no but let's face it i mean the giants with eli still the redskins before they tightened up that group and got that ball rolling so that was pre-successful redskins i'm being facetious here and then the dolphins so those are your three games you know what's weird they weren't great in that dolphins game so maybe we should have looked at that dolphins game as more of a sign but um they got smashed by Green Bay. I don't give a bleep about any. I don't know. I just said it myself, but I don't care about any of the offensive numbers or whatever. That that game was ugly. They were dominated. And then this game, they're down. They gave up. Tw- I mean, granted, they had a better second half, and the Jets only scored three in the second half. But they those are like good drives. And Darnold also had another pick deep on another almost red zone possession. I think it was actually in the red zone. And... Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was happy to see Darnold back out there. Remind me of a guy that I still have hope for, that Jets fans should still have hope for. There's actually talent on this Jets defense. We all know that. Jamal Adams is oh, yeah. all over the place. It's unbelievable. Their D-line has nice players. So, like, I had this sneaky kind of flirtation with, like, you know, the Jets are kind of, kind of um, you know, in a talented team, but I don't know if the O-line's good enough. We'll see what happens. Then Luke Falk is starting, uh, starting two games. So then that part's over. But the Dallas anomaly of the stats that I've just pointed out makes me think that I'm supposed to still hang on but I think what it is 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 very much like a lot of these quarterback stories is that Dak was not all world new version best quarterback in the NFL or maybe a top three guy he's somebody who's going to struggle and the Ezekiel Elliott thing is just evidence piece infinity why paying these running backs is so stupid because they just don't carry you they don't really change who you are that much other than what I've seen from McCaffrey, at least yeah. um, with Carolina. I mean, Outlier it's very in a rare. lot of ways. Outlier right. in a lot of ways. Look. Okay. What was your favorite McCaffrey nickname on that thread? We saw Derry Sanders was one. I love Derry Sanders. 
Gary Sanders, Sanders is so Some, good. Somebody somebody said White Panther, and I was like, let me just let me just check out. I'm gonna avoid rolling out the White Panther nickname. But I, I agree with you. Um, you know, the Zeke thing, listen, it's hard because a guy wants to go get his and like he's market value, he's worth that. But I'm not knocking Zeke at all. He played no, no, he no, and no, his no, guys no, played yeah. it brilliantly because they got the one contract from the only owner that would do it, and they knew it and it worked out. But it's still, you know. No, it's a it, it's and it's tough. It's tough because I like Z- I like Dak, but Dak is not a top five quarterback. We talked about that. Dak has some limitations. Leadership is not one. Toughness is not one. He looked good at times yesterday, um, but I think the story when you look at Dallas and Philly, and we'll get to Philly in a second, is they're going to play each other on Sunday night, and the loser's not going to be out of it, and they won't be out of it likely all year because it's a two team race in the NFC East, and exactly. both teams if they slide in the playoffs, can beat anybody. And I, I, I don't care what I've seen so far. What I saw last year was Dallas started 3-5, and five, and the Eagles started 4-6. and six. And those were two teams that you didn't want to see in the playoffs, especially the Eagles. You know, a drop pass, a fake punt, a couple things away from being in that NFC Championship game once again. So I think, you know, we'll see them battle it out on Sunday night. It could be it could be ugly. I think Dallas is going to be better when they get their tackles back, they get Cooper back, and they get out of this rut. Philly's got injuries too, right? Um, yesterday, Diggs went off. They found themselves down. That's not how they want to play. The secondary is kind of all over the place right now. Um, how bad is that secondary move? right now? Well, they need to make a move. I don't. I, Philly they does. need to make a move. They need to get healthy. Um, you know, Mills, Darby, those guys will be back. I don't know if they're going to come to the rescue, but – uh, I still think a move would be in order. Um, and I'm kind of wondering what the holdup is. Um, the Eagles offense is fine, right? They're missing Deshaun Jackson. So they're missing a little bit of the deep ball component, but when they get him back, they're going to be downright scary. Uh, they did a good job with the running backs. They, they gave miles, uh, Sanders, a lot of ISO work on linebackers in the past game. That was really fruitful. They got Howard going, but it's all underneath without, uh, Deshaun Jackson. And listen, there was a time in the middle of the game there where the Eagles were moving the ball really well. Great adjustments by Doug at the half. Like I said, I love his guarantee. Minnesota, though, got Madison, Cook going. The Bradham injury and the Cooper injury are the two biggest injuries coming into Sunday night. The Eagles have to stop the run, and Cooper's got to get open and be healthy. I don't know where he is, uh, but he makes the huge difference there. So, again, not a, not a do-or-die game. Similar schedules the rest of the way. They started bad, both of them last year, three and five and four and six, respectively. It's a two-team race. I like Philly on Sunday, though, because of the multitude of injuries uh, in Dallas. It's such an important point there. When two teams are already out of it and we're not even at the halfway point, you know, hey, we can start, you know, you don't want to sit there and start penciling some wins. Before we get to irresponsible question, I was wondering if you quickly could help us from the outside understand this, though, because you'd think Dallas – which every Dallas game feels like it's the big game because, you know, Fox will put it in that later window and more people around the country are watching it, which is a smart business move because there's just Cowboys fans all over the place. But you would think after getting beat like you did against Green Bay, you're going to be motivated just to get back. But there have to be times where it's the bad week of practice and you're just going, the Jets suck and Donald's coming back off a of mono. How good is he going to be? Like, take us into what that week is like when it's a bad week, and you just know you've had times where I'm sure you can point back to a ton of games where you didn't take the opponent enough, or you didn't take them serious enough. 
Well, there, there's times like that. I don't think, I honestly don't think it was a, a situation where they didn't take the opponent serious enough. I don't think anybody saw Darnold coming out and playing that well. He looked fucking great. Um, yeah. And he looked great in December last year, you know, 931 yardage with six touchdowns, one pick in December last year. I think he went 80 of, of 125. Uh, he's, he was a stud yesterday. His pocket presence was awesome. I thought Romo was going to get mono talking him up. I mean, Romo wanted to literally kiss him. Uh, on the mouth, which is dangerous <laughs> right about now. I mean, Romo loved the guy. Um, also, is it awkward that Romo's like watching Witten play and he's like, man, I'm pretty fucking glad I'm doing Corona commercials and I'm in the booth because this looks ugly. Um, it could easily be him. And Jason's Jason's still doing it. But I think, you know, when you look at a team that that's playing a team like the Jets off of two losses, it doesn't matter that they're playing the Jets because you need to win this game. It's not a must win, but you need to win to get back on track. I think what happened is sometimes when you play bad and you're playing somebody bad coming up, the coach is using an opportunity to, to go doom and gloom and to run you into the ground. And that's the team I saw yesterday. I saw a team that looked defeated when they walked on the field. They didn't look energetic. They didn't look like they felt good about the game. Um, and you're right, primetime game, Dallas is always going to play in those. Opportunity to get right, you could look at it that way. If they went out and kicked their ass, everybody's saying, well, it was a get right game, so they're chomping at the bit. The opposite happened, and I think they underestimated Greg Williams in the defense, as you mentioned. Joe Douglas and Gase have done a great job. Um, and, I, and I think uh, Darnold was better than they expected, but I think the key is the Cowboys were not ready to play, and I think they were a little bit beat down. And I think part of that is the practice schedule in Dallas from what it sounds like. And, um, and probably the, the verbal abuse they took in the last seven to 10 days. Yeah. I'm looking at it right now. They got one more with the Redskins. They already played them. Yeah. One more. That's right. Cause the first three games, two of them were division games. All right. Are you ready for irresponsible question of the week? Hell Yeah. This may pivot well into our trade thing with trade scenario stuff. So, um, here we go. Steph, uh, Kemal Bozkurt, HeyBurnim.com, Turkey. Uh, I hope you'll be uh, this time final MVP, but if you will not be, are you going to be upset or you'll, you'll be still happy? I The laugh track, we had to. We, we had to. I mean, it's, it's hilarious. I love that. More of that, please. Uh, did you see the OBJ thing where um, somebody from, from, you know, Mexican you know, TV or uh, a Mexican sports channel was speaking Spanish to him for a solid 30 seconds post game after they beat the Jets. Yeah. And he just looks so confused. I thought it was, it was beautiful. It's hilarious. Yeah. It was really good. I know that guy, uh, Van Pelt used to cover soccer with him. He's one of the ESPN guys and, uh, there's a nickname, but I'm going to screw it up. So I'm not going to, and it's a, it's an acceptable nickname. So let's not, let's not go. There. I met him once. I think I met him once before. The Super He's really Bowl, nice guy. He's really yeah. yeah, I mean, he was cool. He he he, uh, he didn't hit me with the Spanish to start, and uh, I would have been just as confused as as OBJ. But I did take some Spanish in college, although I tested it out. Um, wasn't my strong suit, so I loved Odell's reaction on that one. That was actually hilarious. He's like, "Ah, oh, all right, I feel you now." Okay, so irresponsible question of the week: Is there any chance that this year's Denver Broncos team? is the 2017 San Diego Chargers that started 0-4 and everybody rode off, and they ended up, what, 9-7? and So a competitive nine team. 9-7. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I don't think this question is as irresponsible as I first thought when we thought it up. Um, you know, 2017 Chargers, we won the Super Bowl in 17. 
Chargers gave us everything we could handle at home in L.A. That's the joke. At home in L.A. A lot of Philly fans at that stadium. Um, they lost a lot of one-score games to start the season in 17. They lost to the Chiefs by six. They lost to the Colts by four. They lost to the Saints by one and the Raiders by three. And they start out 0-5. I didn't include the Jags game where they got their ass kicked. But they finished 9-3. and three. And ultimately, 9-7 and seven missed the playoffs in a four-way tie for the wild-card spot. I look at the Broncos this year. We obviously touched on the Chubb, um, you know, roughing call that was very uh, egregious. If you're looking at it as a defensive lineman, probably should have stole that game from Chicago. They lost that game 16-14. They also lost the Packers by 11, the Jags by 2, and the Raiders by 12. You know, average loss under 6 points. Uh, they are a top-10 defense. They're giving up about 17 points a game. They can run the ball. Flacco can get hot. I'm not saying he's great. Uh, but here's the big deal. Going into week five, they didn't have a turnover, right? The last two weeks, that has kind of opened up, and the floodgates on the turnovers are open. Uh, they were definitely in the bottom 10th of the league in turnover margin. These things flip. They could be pretty good down the stretch. Uh, they won the last two games. Um, so, yeah, I, I think they could be in the conversation for a wild card. And to be honest, the way the AFC West looks, although I don't believe that Kansas City won't rebound, it's wide open if you look at the standings. Okay, good way to transition then into, because I don't think that was, we need to be more irresponsible with those. So I'm going to uh, I'm gonna come up with something. But I, I think it's at I least I think some people worth, are going to laugh at us. No, it is worth pointing out, though, that Denver defensively, even with Chubb out, you go, you know, they still should be able to compete. And I'm sure they're still miserable over the Chicago game and the penalty and everything. And it's like, okay, you know, if we, three and three just sounds and feels so much better. Like, hey, you got to take us seriously so every single week. So much but, better. Yeah, right. But at the beginning of the season, when you're 0 and 4, it's like, oh, they suck and all this stuff. And like, I don't think they ever thought they sucked. They just were incredibly frustrated. So I don't think that that's, uh, that's that bad of a call, but maybe people will. Okay. So off of that. Hey, real quick, since Fournette went for 269, they've allowed 74 rushing yards. And that's been almost a month. So that's nuts. Wait, how Let many games has that. it been? Two games. It's been two games, but 74 rushing yards they were in two games. I mean, they, they've shored some things up. Yeah, it was more impressive when it was a month, but yeah, two weeks is still. Yeah, well, good. fucking got to make your case. <laughs> I mean, it's technically here, almost a I month within, this... within a few within a few days. Here, it's going to be almost a month. I do love when people do that when they're like, "Hey, in the last the last thirteen months, they've had three head coaches." They're like, "Yeah, the one they fired, the interim, and then the new guy." Like, relax. <laughs> like, it's not. You know, it's like, oh, it's three head coaches. You're like, well, yeah, but you're trying to, like, provide this, paint this picture of instability that's a little bit of an exaggeration. Um, I just, I, just I don't. agree. I didn't have their schedule up, and I'm like, really, a month? I'm like, damn, that's impressive. No, low, no, no, no. I fucked that up. I, I, yeah. I didn't think it through, but 74 rushing yards in the last two weeks is pretty damn good. That's good. That's good stuff. Okay, so because the trade deadline's around the corner, did you ever have a trade deadline week where you're like, man, I might be out of here? Where it got I tense. mean, there there it's were really two happened. years that it got rough for your boy in in uh, Earth City, Missouri, where I I got IR two years in a row, and I thought that you know maybe at some point I'd get shipped, um, but no, I, I've never been like on the on the block that I knew of. No, and it's not really the same, especially back when you were playing. I think the last, the very not to act like you're from a, some other generation, but it's really been feels like maybe the last two years that 
teams have been more open to trading for guys. Like you grow up being like, oh, there's no way anybody could ever figure out the routes. Can't trade for a receiver. Mm-hmm. Eh, that's overstated. Oh, you know, our yeah. scheme can't come in. Like I read this Albert Brewer piece on Sports Illustrated that had these anonymous quotes from front office guys, right? So guys just weren't going to put their names on it. But the GMs were talking about shit like it was the 1970s. There's like, you know, we're right. starting to realize now that, you know, some of the talent is more adaptable and that maybe giving up a first rounder isn't the end of the world. And you just go, yeah, everybody else, a lot of other people have already figured all this stuff out, guys. So having said all of those things, if you could do a Chris Long magic wand trade in the NFL, how many do you have? I got a few, but I would say this. I mean, GMs and coaches are generally think they can do anything. Uh, why don't they just try to adapt things a little bit to the guy you're giving up a first round pick for. So I would counter that stone age argument um, that I know you're not making. I think first off, you look at some of the best teams in the league. You got San Francisco, New England. I still think Philly has a big upside. I think, uh, I think they all have trades they could make. Uh, San Francisco could use a wide out, right? So who do you think would be a good candidate for that? Uh, well, we're going to talk wideouts, or excuse me, we're going to talk San Francisco here because I did put together quite a spread out because I don't want to ignore how impressive yeah. that win was against the Rams. But you're right. I mean, they need any kind of guy on the outside because I'm going to go over in a little bit on their skill guys. That's such a glaring need for a team that actually has talent all over the place, but it's it's certainly a drop-off there. So would you – I mean, everybody just wants I, A.J. Green out of Cincinnati, but they're saying they're not going to do it. They said they're not going to deal him. We'll see how that changes in the next week or two. Uh, it's easy to say, you know, a month before the deadline or whatever. I think the Keenan Allen thing is is interesting. Keenan Allen, like we talked about and sung his praise, uh, sang his praises for the grammatical um, police on Twitter. Uh, Keenan Allen has been sensational. The Chargers seem to be a bit of a sinking ship. Um, he also, quote, tweeted a, a negative tweet about the Chargers yesterday. That's never a good. You sign. can go look at it on Twitter. I'm not. I'm not telling on anybody. It's just out there. Um, love the guy. I think he could t- help San Francisco out a lot. New England could use a tackle. Trent Williams has always been kind of my favorite uh, fit for that. I think Trent Williams in New England with Scar, the O line coach, legend. They hey, get by a the lot way, out of him, and I th- and I think Washington needs to blow it up. Keenan Allen, a skinny the game. Wow. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing I'm not doing that thing. I'm not doing the lookalike thing. Because well, I think it's unfair. I get Fassbender a lot. I get Brad oh, Pitt a lot. Poor guy. I, I don't like those comps. I don't think they're fair. Oh, Fassbender. Such a bummer. That sucks. I know. Fuck. Poor uh guy. would be cool to move immovable objects though. Uh well, just, but I think New England, iron Trent, based. I think New England and Trent, I think in Philly, obviously everybody says they need a corner. I think they're looking the wrong direction. I think the Ramsey trade, yeah, it's great, but what do you have to give up for him? I think Chris Harris. Chris Harris played, to, to Philly makes more sense, I think, on a price Makes thing. much more sense. Yeah, And value, possibly. That was going to be mine. And value. Yeah, that yeah. was going to be mine. Like, what's a realistic one? And, you know, luckily you don't have to do the NBA contract stuff in here. And, you know, we could say, hey, Adrian Green's in a walk year. Harris is in a walk year. Um, you know, there's there's other ways to do this. Patrick Peterson is brought up. Apparently, you know, stuff I was reading this morning is that Arizona's still not interested in moving him, even though he's not playing right now. Um, but Chris Harris, who just a couple of weeks ago 
was basically like calling out the rest of the team. And I don't know, like if you have enough equity in your locker room to say like, I'm over this stuff. And it wasn't, it wasn't that I just, I understand how frustrating it gets, even though again, I didn't play to lose all of those games, to be a vet, to be older, seeing your career coming to an end. But I just, I get, I get bummed out sometimes. Um, and look, it's right after a game. It's after a loss, but I, I get bummed out every now and then again, when it feels like Chris Harris was sort of calling out the whole deal. But he makes more sense because I don't think you're giving up anything close to a first rounder for him. The other thing that you hear out of not out of Denver, but like the Denver wish list of some of the trade articles out there is like, would they move on Miller? I don't have any insight on it. It's just I can't imagine that they would want to move the guy they still feel like they've paid all this money to up front and you know feels feels like it's such a difference maker for them defensively. So And by the way, is probably gonna be great, not good for another at least half decade. I mean, that's the way I look at him. He's one of the fastest to get to 100 sacks. His skill set is really, um, it works well with him aging. I think that, I think that you know, if you're Denver, he's a career Bronco, and he's clearly a Hall of Famer. There's a cost there to moving a guy like that, not just football-wise, but culturally, you lose that guy that's been kind of a linchpin in your defense for uh, the better part of a decade. I think in New England, there's another one. Uh, tight end has changed i mean it wouldn't be hard to trade for a fullback and i know fullbacks hurt them with devlin out but they feel like they can groom a fullback which they're trying to do right now uh i think oj howard down in tampa who's kind of rotting um and being underutilized 11 catches or something on the year um he would be a nice baseball game yeah in the baseball game that was a tremendous catch right on the right field line i mean that was like solid gold that was like t-ball twitter it was like perfect i know it was just perfect everybody everybody how many points is that worth yeah that i'm actually embarrassed i even made the joke oh you did it too oh you and a lot of people no on twitter no i just did it now oh i didn't do it that's better that's better you know me you you know me too well for that i know your style uh the jets are going to get active too i think they've said they're going to be active i've heard leonard williams to philly rumors which is totally stupid Leonard Williams is not what Philly needs. Philly needs edge rush. You see Brandon Graham, since he slid inside, has been tremendous. They need a true edge rusher, and I love Leonard Williams. Uh, But maybe they could use him. I just don't think it's a win-now move for them. Tremaine Johnson, though, he's he's maybe on the trade block. Um, That's a guy that could help another team in need of a corner. Uh, and, And obviously, Osmele, how do you say that name? I've never gotten it. Osemele. Yeah, yeah that one. Closer. The so somebody time. somebody with a need for a guard might go get him. Can I give you one that's never going to happen? Yeah. Matt Ryan for Garoppolo. Boom. Boom. Yeah, it just blew your mind. Think about it, Did though. you think about it? Yeah, Digestive I mean, man, what, what would you have to give up to get a Matt Ryan? See, but some would argue because he's older, would you have to give up can, is it okay for us to both say Matt Ryan's clearly the better quarterback despite the Atlanta Falcons' struggles here? Because when you watch those Atlanta games, this is not a Matt Ryan thing yes. right now. Yes, uh, And I'm not slandering Jimmy G. He's like 13-2 and two as a pro. But the Shanahan connection. Yeah, hey, let's, like let's it. run it next time. Like they come in, it's a tunnel. <laughs> they high-five, and Matty yeah. just taps him. He's like, hey, let's run the ball a little more this time. And and Shanahan's like, have you been watching us? We're running the hell out of the ball up here. We're running it a lot. We're running it like the most. 41 so like, times. 
I've overcorrected. We run for 200 yards like three fucking times. Like, come up here. We will run the ball. You know? And it uh, would get it I, would I, get Matt out of Atlanta. I, I, I would like it personally for Matt, but at the same time, like, I think it's being unfair to Jimmy to say, like, hey, I'm not even going to give this guy a shot who we paid all this money who's done nothing but win games. I do think that in general, you're talking about uh, Jimmy, you're on the front end of a build in New, in uh, in in San Francisco, and I think you feel really positive about even some setbacks right now because you know this is a team that wasn't expected to be great this year, and they're undefeated, and they're kind of the hot team. I want to talk about that Niners win against the Rams. Uh, we will do so, but first, do you want to be able to watch every single NFL game this season, no matter where you live or what team you root for? This season, there's a proven way to watch every football game live for a fraction of the cost. ExpressVPN. Use ExpressVPN to buy the International Game Pass. ExpressVPN lets you spoof your location so you can buy the International Game Pass for just $125 and stream all the games. ExpressVPN comes with apps for computers, mobile, and digital media players like Fire TV. Plus, use ExpressVPN every time you go online to keep all your network data encrypted, secure, and safe from hackers. ExpressVPN is the fastest VPN, costs less than $7 per month, and comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Enjoy all 256 games of the 2019 NFL season with the world's most trusted VPN, ExpressVPN. Protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash Rosillo. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash R-U-S-S-I-L-L-O. That's Rosillo, two S's, two L's. For three months free, with a one-year package. Visit expressvpn.com slash Rosillo to learn more. Can we talk about the hot team then? Because I, I I really think we'd be doing a disservice by not talking about San Francisco at this point. Is that cool? It would be disrespectful. Yeah. Right. Because we need to. We're an hour into this, but I had plans on, on doing this. We have a couple more things that I want to do, including a hypothetical question and then your NBA fantasy team draft, which is coming up soon. But San Francisco now is 5-0. and oh. When they start the season beating the teams they were beating, and you know you get a Mason Rudolph in his first start, you don't really know what to make of it. That Browns game was great because it was prime time. It was the only one on. And as much as the prime time theory can get in the way of us actually understanding what the hell's going on, I think prime time theory leads to wrong takes more often than it does probably to right takes. In that spot, when you're watching their defensive personnel with Buckner, Bosa, Armstead, Quan Alexander, they brought over D Ford. Sherman seems better than he was last year. That's what I'm seeing and then reading and you know I, I always am a little skeptical as a guy watching at home not the all 22 really saying hey this corner's good this corner's bad because they're never on the screen for the most part except for some of the new camera angles but this San Francisco personnel I'd put it up there with anybody defensively I think they're I really do think they're the best defense. Think about some of these Rams numbers. The Rams had that opening drive of 50-plus yards. They were all on the ground. So the Rams go up 7-0 running it right down your throat against what's supposed to be your strength and maybe one of the best D-lines in the entire NFL. The Rams ended up with 100 more yards the rest of the game. That's it. They were 0-9 on third down. 
The San Francisco 49ers outgained the Los Angeles Rams 331 to 157. That's insane. And as you mentioned, and by the way, San Francisco lost the turnover battle in this one because sometimes you're like, oh, yeah. what, what, what happened here? Oh, wait a minute. You know, this team had four turnovers. The other one, you know, how does Georgia lose to South Carolina? Four turnovers, South Carolina doesn't have any. Okay, there you go. Georgia wasn't exactly great for our college football minute there. 41 carries by an <laughs> offense coming in who was averaging, as you said, 200 yards a game on the ground that was coming into it that was best in the league. They've dropped off because they only ran it for 100 yards, but they still ran it 41 times. This is a team skill-wise that may have the best tight end in Kittle, and we know their collection of running backs are all very complimentary, but the receivers who have all played all five games are Debo Samuel with 15 catches, Marquise Goodwin with 11, and Dante Pettis with 9. Those are your outside guys. I... I'm not saying they're the best team in the NFC, but what I'm saying is in the last stretch of of six to seven days for them, I take them completely serious now, and it has everything to do with their approach and their defense and really nothing to do with Garoppolo, who I still think is a huge question mark, and I don't care what his start to his career one-loss record is. Yeah. Might that be the homer in you? You want to side with New England because they shipped him? I do appreciate the Chris Long signed jersey that I bought at the Waterboys dinner for, <laughs> I think you hit me for almost two G's on that one. And then when it finally showed well. up, it said to number one Pats fan, Ryan Rosillo. Mm -hmm. uh, yep. I, you know, my, my Pats thing. So I don't, I don't, do you think I'm really yeah, sitting here? You used to listen to him when you were roofing on the vineyard on your AM radio on the, you know, it was like. We don't right roof out on there Sundays. Chappa, Chappaquiddick? Chappa, how do you say that? Chappaquiddick. That was good. But, man, my dad would not like to price out jobs on Chappaquiddick very often because it was such a pain in the ass. Also, it's another like a ferry. Place. You're already on an island. You've got to take another ferry to go to work. Makes no sense. You people are tough. Um, take a lot of ferries. <laughs> a lot of boats. Uh, a lot of boats. A whole, lot of whole boats. bunch of boats. Um, I would say I told my old lady <laughs> I would, I, for, for those of you curious what we're referencing, I once played the lotto. You could just Google it. Um, goal line stand yesterday for Sam Fran. O of nine on third down. I think it was for, for the yeah. Rams. O of like four on fourth down. You would think when you look at it again, like I'm looking for turnovers. I'm looking, okay, it was third down and fourth down. I don't even think if they convert on a lot of that stuff that they're that, that much better off. The whole game to me was just watching that bald, jacked D coordinator just in in jubilation, dancing up the, up and down the sidelines, high fiving people, chest bumping people, and golf throwing the ball like five yards down the field. Uh, he can't hit any of his deep shots. He missed on a few bad ones. What's surprising to me is that it looks like he's seeing ghosts a little bit, and it looks it looks like he's lost confidence. For me, a guy that got over the hurdle after that first year where people were calling him a bust and then ascending to where he was, you wouldn't think this would be a mental thing right now. Um, you'd think he, if he got over that, he'd get over this hump. But something's going on there. They run the ball for over 100 yards, I think, in the first half, and they still can't cash that in. But like you said, San Francisco kicked their ass, and that was a group that had 900 yards through the air in the last two games combined, and then they go out and hold them to like under 100. 3.3 yards per attempt for golf and three, like 3.3 yards per play, I think was in the neighborhood as well for McVay. That's the lowest in the McVay era in, in, in LA. So 
yeah, the Niners are real. I don't know if like they're a Super Bowl team. It's too early to say that. I know that's what everybody wants to say on Monday. Either they are or they aren't. We have to react that way. Um, but I think they're an elite NFC football team. And like you said, the the quarterback might be the biggest question mark. Uh, but they're damn good. And the injuries that, you know, the part of the NFL that, that frustrates you a little bit is you sit here for the first few weeks and go, hey, this team is this team. And then the way the media will treat it from the outside is like, what happened to this team? What happened to that time? And it's like, well, unless a quarterback or like the biggest star on the team is hurt, we don't keep track of the rest of the attrition. And San Francisco right. right now is playing. If you go back to the start of camp, start of camp August, we're talking, they're on their fourth and fifth tackles. Now they're going to get McGlinchey right. and Staley back. So, you know, they're doing this. Like I said, they lost their third tackle not that long ago. They're doing this with guys that may not even be given a uniform um, come August. So I am not arguing with Richard Sherman here. I am with him. And I'm not saying I'm picking him to represent the NFC out of this, but this is a, hey, you beat some bad teams. Cool, you're 3-0. That's all I have to go on to this. That was an absolute dominant defensive performance that needs to be respected. I mean, that's that's just how I feel. Like, I'm making it known, like, what they did yesterday is incredible, and they have to be looked at as a different team and not just a team that's beating up on bad teams like they were when they were 3-0. Well, to me, it's it's the culmination of – all their defensive performances. I think the Rams right now, as you start to process of elimination, figure out what's wrong with them, McVay had been like bulletproof with extra time. I mean, like really good. And I think, you know, San Francisco having less time, McVay having more time, Shanahan outcoached him. And Shanahan is kind of big brother from the Washington Genesis. Like that's, they were on the same staff, which by the way, like Washington couldn't find a coach uh, and they had all these good coaches on their staff, neither here nor there. Shanahan, this had to be a bit personal for him. I mean, McVay's gotten so much love over the past year and a half, two years. And Shanahan, like I like I said, I said this on Thursday night when I was doing the show in uh, with Amazon, is Shanahan is being defined by one group of possessions when he was up 28-3 to three on the heels of a year where they were the eighth best of all time in single-season scoring production. And ran the ball with authority. So now, you know, people kind of judge him by that. Well, what are they doing up there? They're running the ball down people's throats. And they're playing good defense. And you talked about the defense. The D-line's terrific. I mean, D. Ford was like somebody else's trash is somebody else's treasure. He's made big plays for them. Bosa's kind of the straw that serves the drink right off the bat. He plays with great power. I've always loved Buckner. And you've repurposed guys like Armstead and even Solomon uh, Thomas, who played well yesterday to play well as kind of supporting role, depth pieces, uh, and the secondary was all over. The coverage was tight yesterday. Sherman's doing the us against the world thing. I get that. That's the identity that they have to take on to make a run. Hard left. You ready for it? Yeah. As we finish up here, would you rather be Jeff Bezos, but you're 5'4", or Ken Bone, but you're the toughest guy in the world. Well, do we know how tall Ken Bone is? Um, I'm going to get IT on that now. I would lean Jeff Bezos, though. Because if you're Jeff Bezos, you can hire a bunch of people that are the toughest guys in the world and do whatever you want. If you're Jeff Bezos, you're effectively seven foot. I'm going to double check his height. What if he was already 5'4"? Oh, he's only 5'7". That's the problem. Now, let's say Ken Bone was 6'5". I'd still be, I'd still want to be 
uh, Jeff Bezos at 5'4", because, and by the way, Bezos isn't, isn't 5'4". I met him at uh, NFL Honors. He's tall. No, I just, I just told you he's 5'7", but it's not. That's not a oh, monster. I thought you were talking about Ken, Ken Bone. How tall is no. Ken Bone? There's conflicting reports. Not that any, this is like the net worth thing. This is like the net worth thing. Yeah. Um, it's not Ken Bone with a couple blondes. I'm trying to find a picture. This guy lives in red, though. Lives in red. He loves red. Yeah. Um, maybe toughness, I mean, maybe because you're tough, you've been tough your whole life, that toughness to you isn't really that great of a commodity because you don't, you don't how can I be tough? Way. My dad was rich. That's right. Now you Can't were poor. Be tough. You guys are middle yeah. class. You had a sand jacuzzi. We had sand in the jacuzzi. I will say though, if you have money again and you're Jeff Bezos, you can effectively be five. You can live your whole life and no one has to know how tall you are. You can just be on your yacht. People can come to see you at your discretion you could be surrounded by people who are actually really fucking tough and just pay them to be tough. And if you're Ken Bone, there's a lot of tough guys that you never heard of out there in the world. Like really tough guys. Getting tough doesn't really get you anywhere in the world. Toughest in the world would get you somewhere. It'd be like real scenes from Wolverine when he's Logan. Well, not Logan, but the Wolverine where he's up in Canada and he's just winning these like bare knuckle fights. That would be amazing. Okay, but he, but he can fight too and he's ripped. Ken Bone's not ripped. I don't know if he can fight. I'm not dogging Ken Bone's physique, but I'm saying that if Ken Bone was a great fighter, yes, he'd go join UFC. He'd make a bunch of money. And I'm talking a long time, not like two bouts, not two title defenses. Yeah, yeah but I'm just saying, just because you're tough, like there's some guy in Indiana who's got just some crazy pain threshold with tattoos all over his his forehead and in his arm. Yeah, I understand and, what you're saying, but in this hypothetical, Ken Bone beats all of them and holds the title for like 10 years. Well, then he has an opportunity to become rich, doesn't he? Not Bezos rich, though. As I think he's most, also got the, most people are listening to this it, being like, I'll be 5'4 and the richest guy in the world. Enough. Set. So would Stop I. Debating. So would I. And to strengthen my argument, the only path forward for the toughest guy in the world to get as rich as you'd like to be would be to develop CTE in some form. Like you're going to go fight. You're going to go give yourself head trauma to make money. Like I'd much rather be Jeff Bezos and not have any head trauma and just hire a bunch of tough fucking guys that look like Vladimir Klitschko to stand outside my yacht and let my girlfriend in and, and go get me in and out burger from the mainland. And like, you know, that's what I would do. I feel like you've you've made this. You have a greater fear of CTE than than most people, which is totally understandable. No, I don't. I, I, right. I'm I, I'm fine. I just would we do like an hour and a half in this fucking pod. I'm feeling good. <laughs> I just, I, I think there's probably some five four guys being like, "Hey, fuck you guys!" Also listening to this right now. So, you know, maybe- yeah, they would rather be Jeff Bezos too, though. It's not even about the height. Really, we overplayed the height. Four nine, Jeff Bezos, and versus Ken Bone. Fucking, I'm gonna stand on three Apple boxes and order people around, like the Wizard of Oz. I'm gonna have a fucking table in front of me at all times. Just telling my Vladimir Klitschko's to go get me In and Out Burger and Japanese whiskey from from the uh, the you dock our boat and go get it. It's end of discussion.
All right. Um, I was researching heights here. It says Zuckerberg's five seven. That's a lie. No way. Although I don't, I Holy doubt shit. Zuckerberg. I, I doubt Zuckerberg would lie about his height. That's not something he would do. You know, Slim Thug is really tall. I just think about things I Google. I Google like rapper heights. Slim Thug's really tall. Really tall. Um, so is Sheik Luch. Really tall. First thing comes uh, up, Slim Thug is height. Yeah, he's tall. Damn, he's tall. Like uh, who's oh, who you six, say? Six? Kenny Maine. Kenny Maine. Kenny Maine. <laughs> he's tall. Kenny Maine's like six four, maybe. I mean, Scott no, but still he, he, towers he, over all these guys. Yeah, Scott. Scott's a tall anchor. Who's the most <laughs> unexpectedly tall person you met? Tony Kornheiser. No shit. Yeah, you just always think he's going to be five eight, five nine. His demeanor, the way he sits, everything about it, and then he rolls in in person. He's like a, a solid six one. Now six one, six two isn't like tall, but it's taller. I was blown. Seeing Tony Kornheiser stand at a solid six one or so was was mind blowing. Yeah, Zion Williamson, he's shorter than I thought. How tall are you? 6'4", if that, all, all of 6'3", and 3'8", or 5'8". Everybody I'm thinks I'm like 5'6". I'm the Scott. third tall. No, you're not. I can attest you're 5'11". <laughs> <laughs> you knew exactly what to say to bum dudes out. All right. Hey, uh, NBA fantasy draft. We get a bounce, but NBA fantasy draft. When is it for you? It's going to be soon, right? Fuck. I need to check that. It's kind of like me leaving Goskowski up on my fantasy football team for three weeks. He's been on IR. Okay. Well, I don't we'll even get know some... when the draft is. I, I picked 10th. I've never made the playoffs. My, my league is, is called, um, my league's called all gangsters, no thugs. It's a, it's a callback to the time that the Xavier Cincinnati game broke out into a brawl. And Holloway, who played for Xavier, explained that we're a tougher team. We're grown men over here. We got a whole bunch of gangsters in our locker room. Not thugs, but tough guys on the court. We went out there and zipped them up at the end of the game. That's our motto. Zip them up. Also the motto of the 2011 Rams, and we didn't zip many people up, but we did name our fantasy basketball league uh, after Holloway's quote. That's beautiful. I love that. Is it? At Joel. It? <laughs> at Joel91. At Ryan and Russillo. We're going to uh, start doing maybe some um, fantasy. No, we're not going to do any fantasy advice. We're going to do life advice with a real famous guy, Chris Long. But we need to set up the email and get the applicants. And then we're going to have some guys call in just like we did back on the old Russillo podcast. So we will talk to you again next Monday. Please subscribe, rate, and review uh, as much as you possibly can. And we appreciate it. We'll talk to you again in, uh, in a week. Bye.